0: Hello and welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Youth Radio Podcast. I'm Ozden Tong. I'm Jazden Tong. And we're going to be your hosts for this special episode today, where we discuss any and all topics related to life growing up as Asian and Pacific Islander Americans. On today's show, we're going to be discussing generational divides, queer stories, and struggles with self-identity. Joining us today on the program is queer Vietnamese American filmmaker and writer, Kuyen Nguyen Li. Her short films, including Nhuok, Water, Homeland, and Hawaii, Ongoing Memory, have been screened worldwide in multiple film festivals. Welcome to the show today, Kuyen. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So the entire time I was doing the introduction, all I could think of in my head is probably saying this wrong. So let's just go ahead and get on the record today. Um how do you personally like to pronounce your names and the names of your short film?
1: Thanks so much for asking. Yeah. I, so my name, um, the way I pronounce it is wing Winley, And, um, it was actually a decision when I was younger and we can talk about this, uh, to go by my Vietnamese name, knowing that people will probably mispronounce it. And I think, um, knowing that I, you know, I appreciate that you tried and you were not even that far off. So, um, I really appreciate um, the intention of asking me how to pronounce my name. I think a lot of people are too nervous to even kind of admit that they might not know how to say something. Um, And the, my two short films that are scripted, I also have documentary films, but the two short scripted films are Nook, Water, Homeland, and Why Ongoing Memory. And both those films also play on the meaning of the words that are the title of the film.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. And, Thank you, by the way, for not making me feel bad about it, because I do know that there are some people out there that will probably be like, oh, no, no, this is how you do it. Stop saying it so wrong. But I actually really appreciate that. I do think that uh, that invites people to want to try more to do things properly, and it creates better conversation and dialogue. Yeah. So uh, one of the first questions we want to ask you is that for for some of the listeners here that haven't heard about Nook, Water, Homeland, or Hawaii, Ongoing Memory, can you go ahead and give us a short description of each film as well as the significance behind the messages you've portrayed in both of them?
1: They're both short films and they're both scripted, but they're based on reality. So some, kind of, some people sometimes refer to them as documentaries, but they are acted. Um, And so Nope was a short film um, that I collaborated with my friend Ro, who is the main character uh, in the film, and their mother, actually, their actual real mother and child in real life. Um, And that film was just an exploration, I think, of the legacy of the Vietnam War on kind of queer second generation Americans. And I I had never at that time seen anything that was really addressing that. Um, And I... Made it as a part of a fellowship that only allowed five minutes, so um, that film is in five minutes. How can you tell us um, about this identity and what you're struggling it with? And I would say for that film, what it's about is it centers around this question of like, how do you talk about trauma when you don't speak the same language anymore? Um, and that's a question that the main character asks in their head, um, and with why. Um, we also wanted to explore this, a similar film, right? About like generational divide, but this time with father. So Nook has a mother character and, uh, and her child and, and why it's why, why is the name of the main character um, and her father. And we wanted to kind of bring kind of a discourse about Vietnamese Americans outside of history and memory. Right. And put it in more contemporary times. Like what, What does it mean to be Vietnamese American in the U.S.? Uh, And not just speaking about the Vietnam War, but as it has to do with what was happening in this country at the time.
0: So when I actually read that, is there a reason you chose a second generation Vietnamese American main character and a first generation Vietnamese American um, father rather than a first generation Vietnamese American main character and then an immigrant father?
1: Uh yeah, actually I think um it gets confusing right because mm-hmm. uh for me second generation is the ch- the the first to be born in the U.S. to me is second. I know there's a lot of debate about this about if that's oh. first or second. Because I would consider the ones who immigrate also Americans. They're the first generation because they came and then they became American. So. Right? So they're like yeah. the first generation. But I don't know. I kinda get confused because sometimes when people say first gen, they mean second, and sometimes when they say second they mean first. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no. <laughs> actually in the film in both of my films, it is about the children who were born in the US to parents who came as refugees.
0: Oh, okay. All right. That definitely clears some things up because when I read that, yeah. I think growing up for me and Austin, we've always had that interpretation of that idea that first generation Asian American typically meant those that were born here, you know, but I guess I never entertained the thought that I, people that did immigrate here did become American citizens, you know? So I guess in a way they do technically are seen as first generation Asian American. Well, honestly, that that does open up a new perspective that, is quite refreshing. And honestly, thank you for actually even clearing that up for us.
1: Yeah, no, no worries. I I think honestly, it's a thing that comes up a lot um, Mm. where people kind of are like, huh, I don't, I don't know which one I am, but yeah. (laughs) Um, But to answer the question that you asked, right? Like why talk about the generational divide? Mostly because that was my own experience. Um, I, I was, Born in the U.S., both my parents were refugees of the Vietnam War, um, and they were quite young too when they, they came. Um, they were adults, but they were young adults. And um, because of that, I, I always had questions about what happened to them and how different we are and also like a language barrier. When I was young, um, I, I knew Vietnamese, but I didn't get to learn it in school or anything like that. Um, so I only knew kind of limited, like, okay, I can talk to my parents about food and chores and school maybe. Um, but it was only as an adult that I kind of more bridged that gap, um, both cause they also know English. It's not like they don't know what I'm saying, but we always had such a gap in understanding that it's like literal language, but it was also experiences and in why, um, We just wanted to, kind of in a small way, because it's a short film, right? You can't talk about everything. Explore how that also, like, there's also political differences that come from language, but also ways that we can connect. And I think that's what I am always trying to do with my films is, like, there is a divide, but it's not unbridgeable. And even with Huy and her dad, even though they're very different and they, you know, they don't get each other, there are moments where they can get each other.
0: I remember reading in some of your interviews that you talked about how, for your parents, it was a different story of them coming to America than what most young Asian American youth hear. We usually hear our parents come here in order to create better opportunities for us. But you mentioned that your parents they didn't leave their home to come to make a better opportunity for you. They came just purely because of the uh, the fallout of what was going on in the war, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a uh, interesting perspective that. People like usually don't hear, I guess, just because of the fact that there's that whole stereotype of when immigrants come here, it's to build better lives for their kids. So you want to tell us more, a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people immigrate for many reasons. My parents um, were refugees, you know, in many ways they chose to, but then they also didn't. You know, Um, there's a lot that was happening in Vietnam at the end of the war. And a lot of people chose to leave for many different ways in the same way that, You know, a lot of people are choosing to leave um, now, you know, uh, even speaking about migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border who are coming from Central America or the refugees who are coming through Europe from the Middle East. Like, of course, war is involved, but there, you know, there's like, when we recognize that immigrants have multiple, uh, you know, desires and motivations for coming, I think it just makes us understand things more um and the the narrative about coming for a better life for your family i think it's like a respectable one and i think that's true for many people um but then it also kind of you know collapses the immigrants into like this small tiny box like my my mom was like uh 18 she was maybe 17 18 when she left vietnam so she you know she was like on the verge of adulthood And what 17, 18 year old is like, oh, I'm going to come to America so that my children with my husband, who I don't even know yet, you know, like can have a better life. She's also, you know, of course, thinking about herself and her future and the kind of life she wanted to live. Um, And I, I think my mother would never say it like that because I think there's a forced narrative upon her, like as a woman too, like to not be selfish um. So I really want to honor those kinds of, you know, agency that there are a lot of people who come for reasons and it's just as legitimate, even if they don't end up having kids, you know, or like they didn't do it for our kids um, because parents are people too. And they're not just people's parents. They're like humans who have desires and motivations outside of their kids.
0: It must have been a pretty tough conversation to try to find out about their past with the Vietnam War and everything like that because I kind of noticed that it is a very common thing between Vietnamese parents and people that came over during that time where they don't want to talk about it you know like I I remember reading a play slash musical written by a, a Vietnamese playwright King Nguyen called Viet Gan where the character is trying to interview his father asking about the Vietnam War and then you find out he had to leave a previous family behind over there And uh, he just would rather not talk about it because he came to America to forget about it. And it's just not a happy time. So navigating that conversation with your parents, were there things that you learned about them that changed your perspective of who who they were?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I think um, so Nook, which is actually um, available on uh, two sites right now um, for the... Visual Communications, uh, which runs the LA Asian Film Festival, have a copy of it up somewhere on their site and also on my Vimeo, so folks can check it out. Um, is exactly about what you just asked. Um, so along the line, somewhere between the language divide, interpersonal issues, right, um, and just the sheer trauma of my parents' experiences, I realized that you can't have that kind of conversation, right, in the way that we it's so neat. You just sit down at a table and you're like, mom, what happened to you? It's not going to come out that way. Like even, even if they do share something, it's not going to be satisfying. I think it's not the whole story. Um, and so with Nook, I, I kind of leaned into that. I was like, how do I know about my mom? Um, and it is through these little fragments of stories they tell throughout the years. Like it's a long game. It's not like one time you sit down, you ask your parents, and they tell you everything. You have to kind of, like, pay attention. You kind of collect, like, random stories they tell you. Like, even if they're, like, yelling at you, they're like, when I was a kid, I had to go to the river with a bucket. All you have to do is turn on the sink, you know? But then you store that. You're like, okay, dad had to go to a river with a bucket. Got it. And, you know, you store those stories, and you kind of put them together, and that's how you understand your parents. It's... um, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah sometimes i don't even know what my parents sense of humor is i don't know if they're actually joking and exaggerating yeah. or anything like that because like i feel like with with us if we ever become parents we'd all probably be like oh you know when i was your age i survived a pandemic yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> pretty, pretty millions much. of people died <laughs> so uh, it's yeah. kind of like yeah so it's um one of those things who were just like oh it, there's probably truth to it but then sometimes oh you wonder if they kind of do that bit of exaggeration just to like really guilt you into doing stuff but yeah that's a whole other yeah, thing.
1: yeah i mean i find myself doing that now too i'm like when i was a kid <laughs> we had to plug in the to get the internet we had to you know stop the phone line and then oh. people are like what and i'm like yeah like you can't use the phone and the internet at the same time because they use the same and people are like i don't know how you lived yeah, you dial-up
0: know? was the worst <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, um, based on those descriptions and the conversation we've been having, uh, I noticed there's a recurring theme that you have within your short films that to pr- disprove, I noticed there's a recurring theme you have within your short films that's to disprove this idea, kind of a generational divide between Vietnamese communities. You've stated in an interview with LA Times that you find that those types of claims to be simplistic, and that they imply a more liberal way of thinking within these communities as a re- result of assimilation into Western society. For the younger listeners out there that grew up believing that to be the truth, can you go more into detail about your thoughts on that false narrative of that generational divide?
1: I love talking about this because I, you know, I think there's truth to it, right? That um, when you grow up in the States and your parents grew up somewhere, of course, you're going to be quote unquote Americanized. So you're going to understand the world differently. Um, but sometimes I think it's like reductive um, and people don't give their elders enough credit, you know, like. just talking about my own parents at this point in their life they've been in the u.s way longer than they were even in vietnam you know um and, and and kind of um with queer stories in particular i find this coming up a lot right and vietnamese parents will say this too so it's not just the kids but you'll either have a queer person go you know my parents are vietnamese they're traditional they don't accept my like queerness because you know they're from vietnam and that, that's such a terrible story to say, right? Because that implies that Viet- Vietnam is automatically heterosexual and that there are no queer people in Vietnam. When actually, if your parents are like that, they're just, it's just because they're straight people. But there are also Vietnamese elders of our parents and our grandparents' generation. And so to kind of, just by default, saying stuff like that, that's what I, I have issue with, right? Or like parents who say, oh, you, you're you just gay because you're Americanized. That is also a false narrative because they, I'm sure they have people their age and their parents' age who are gay, who are Vietnamese, who are not from the U.S. And when they say stuff like that, they're just trying to erase <laughs> queer people in their own communities, you know? So, um, but I understand because a lot of Viet folks we kind of understand our own culture through our parents. That's our direct connection. Um, and so we kind of default to our parents as like the ones who know the the truth about the culture, right? Instead of being like, oh, they're like a person within that community, but they don't know everything. And maybe like an example of that for me, is like, I think a lot of people think about their mother's cooking as traditional. And um, my mom's cooking is, but it's also hybrid. Like, uh, there's this dish called gandua, um, it's like a sour soup, and I always thought the way my mom made gandua is, like, the Vietnamese way, you know, and then I found out that my mom, you know, she was in a refugee camp in Thailand, and she loved Thai food, and she's like, actually, I like Tom yum better, so I made a hybrid, so my gandua is actually kind of, like, more like tum yum. And I'm like, okay, I grew up my whole life like thinking, you know, my mother is the bearer of traditional culture, and she's out here just mixing it up too, you know.
0: Oh man, so this whole this whole time you've been having a mixture of the, this Vietnamese and Thai dish, thinking like this is purely Vietnamese, and then she blew right, your right, mind. Not. She blew your mind, <laughs> yeah. and it's one of those things you probably don't realize until you ask them about it, or if you talk to other Vietnamese people and they're like, "What? That that doesn't sound like the way my mom does it," and you're like. This tastes like half a Vietnamese dish.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just my mom's spin on it. You know, she's like, well, I just like Tom Yum more. So.
0: (laughs) You know, that that sentiment you mentioned earlier about where some people believe that being queer is an American thing. Uh, It must have been very confusing for you when you were first discovering that part of yourself, right? because you probably thought oh well i mean this isn't or this is maybe a result or an influence of american culture so what was it like when you were first realizing that part of yourself that you were queer was it did it feel a bit strange in conjunction with your vietnamese culture
1: yeah and i will say it's it i it's more complicated than just like oh i'm americanized so my parents never you know, they never made me believe that they would, you know, hate me or anything. We just, we never talked about it, to be honest. Like I didn't, you know, like they're like, you can't date anyone till you're thirty, you know. <laughs> so it's like didn't even matter <laughs> at the time, right? And so, um, I, I think I, I knew for a while, but I didn't really come out until I was in college. Uh, and because I wasn't living with my parents, it, it wasn't that hard to sort of explore things. But I think what actually made me feel a divide is, um, is the politics. So like in terms of, uh, specifically like identifying as queer is kind of a leftist sort of genealogy in American, um, political identity, right? Being queer, there's a lot of overlap with like socialism, communism, kind of, uh, black power movement. It's, you know, it's a little bit more left to, be queer. And that's just the underlyingness of that formation. Um, And then when you come from like a Southeast Asian refugee community who, you know, became refugees because of wars during the Cold War, that was over communism, right? The divide is there for me. It's not, it wasn't so much the, it's just the way that queerness in the U.S. articulates certain language that you know, I wouldn't say like all queer people identify as like communists or whatever. That would be a terrible <laughs> conflation. Whoa, right? Even though McCarthy <laughs> did that in the 1950s, they were like homosexuals are communists and therefore. But anyway, that's a whole nother yeah, history. That train thing, of thought. Right? <laughs> I
0: don't. Yeah, know where like that I be. wouldn't
1: say it like that, but because we kind of share some of the you know the language that is also shared by you know revolutions that caused for not caused but was a part of the wars that caused the displacement of our parents there's a lot of things that trigger them you know even saying some people like even saying things like people power they're like oh my god that's what the communists say right (laughs) (laughs) and you know and it's it that was what created the the thing for me I think and I, I think that was a really hard thing to articulate because I'm like am I crazy like am I the only one who is noticing this weird thing where like politically it there seems to be a divide and I think a lot of that also uh, but leaning into that divide I think there's also a lot of political diversity within Southeast Asian communities um, Vietnamese community in particular Uh, I don't know if we want to get into all this, but, you know, there is a (laughs) reputation that Vietnamese community is more conservative. And while that's somewhat true, that's also erasing the people who are, are not like that. And so when you think Vietnamese Americans conservative, queerness and gayness, American and like liberal or like progressive, then you kind of put them against each other when that's not always true. And that's kind of simplifying the Vietnamese American community.
0: And you basically want to take that message and just, I've noticed that you've taken that message and translated it into your short films, which is a a conversation and a perspective. A lot of people don't think about for me. I, I, I will admit, I never thought about those kind of things until I started reading your interviews. And it, it, it gave me that, that train of thought and perspective of, huh, you know, I never really thought about that. You know, I thought, Oh, you know, because my parents are, have some conservative thoughts i usually bought into that narrative of like oh yeah most like old like people usually give those kind of excuses to their parents of saying oh they're just traditional you know that's that's how they think but then you don't ever really think like oh there's a spectrum for everything though you know while while the one side is probably the one that's portrayed most of the time there's always going to be people on the exact other side and that's yeah and we just don't know
1: them Because they're not parents, and they're
0: yeah, and they're probably overshadowed by like a majority. But then you never want to, you know, base an entire culture just on what you're what you're being shown, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So following that sentiment, you've actually mentioned in other interviews about not just showing representation of stories from marginalized groups such as yours, but about starting to make stories for those groups versus audience. Uh, versus for audience that don't belong to them, such as standard mainstream audiences. Uh, for some of the younger viewers that may not understand the significance behind that choice, can you explain why that is important to you?
1: Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I was young, um, and I still am young, but when I was younger, <laughs> um, I was fueled by anger. Uh, and and I'm still angry now. And so I think anger is a legitimate emotion but I was mostly filled by anger where I was like I don't see stories like the ones like in the communities not just Vietnamese American community but I grew you know I grew up in LA and it's in that's where Hollywood is and I'm like what how come I see stuff in Hollywood and it just doesn't even look like this high school I go to you know <laughs> like
0: why is everyone and- super good looking and looks so much older
1: <laughs> That's yeah, true. like uh yeah, the ones who play high schoolers. That <laughs> like are,
0: 90210 are like, or deGrassi. Oh, are. <laughs> oh Teen Wolf, especially. Yeah. Oh man.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, but you know, I, I, I wanted to break in and quote unquote change others' opinion of like our communities, right? Like I'm gonna be the representative of Vietnamese Americans and I'm gonna like make people understand That we are not what they think we are and I think that's important but then in doing that I neglect our own community right like we all watch stuff too and to make stuff that is for people who are like you is also important because then you start to articulate to yourselves who you are like instead of always thinking about like what other people think you are you focus on like who are we and what like what are our internal conversations and You know, and I think that's a really important part of filmmaking and what I'm trying to do with my films, too.
0: I actually totally agree with that because I've noticed in certain films that have come out this year or certain uh, TV shows like Squid Game or Shang-Chi, when they speak in their native tongue, obviously Hollywood's going to create the subtitles for it. And you kind of notice that they take out those little nuanced metaphors that our culture would understand if it were said properly. Like, I think in Shang-Chi, one of the lines that uh, Wu said to one of the characters was, oh, uh, be careful who you're talking to, boy. I've eaten more salt than you've eaten bowls of rice in your entire lifetime. But they just changed it to, oh, I've lived 10 of your lifetimes. You know, it kind of s- took away that, that, that nuance that would be meant for our audiences. And it kind of just felt like it was catered towards the American or majority, like, audience that wouldn't ever really understand the significance behind what we were what that line would mean to us you know so i do understand the idea of starting to create stories that are for us versus to show people who we are you know what i mean Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because we are also like as communities constantly growing as well so we got to feed our own conversations and develop ourselves as like people and us communities and we don't want to be stagnant and have other people tell us who yeah. we are which is always happening um but yeah I appreciate what you're saying about the the subtitles um because in on the one hand you want to be not so complicated so people get distracted if they don't know what they're talking about but I think audiences are also much smarter than what <laughs> than yeah. think sometimes yeah. it's like so simple but it's like, if you left it in there, it's fine. No one's going to freak out. Right. <laughs> like people <laughs> will know what, the, if they don't know what it means, they might look it up. It's fine.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, after talking about all that, considering the contributions you've made in expressing queer Vietnamese American stories through your short films, this is actually a personal question that I'm curious to know. If you've ever had the worry of being placed in a box of creating purely queer or Asian-American stories, you know? Or have you ever had any ideas or plans of creating other types of films that represent different things in the future?
1: Yeah, it's something I'm constantly thinking about. I mean, my first instinct is to say, I don't feel limited because queer and Vietnamese-American and even Asian-American is so expansive. There's so many stories within even that quote-unquote box, right? Or like that go under that category that I can be making films like all the time and in in those areas um but then i also think that it is important right to sometimes like uh, i think identity is important but i think other things about ourselves are important and we might uh kind of resonate with other stuff so i do make documentaries they are still about asian americans vietnamese americans but sometimes they don't censor queerness in the kind of prominent way, but I think that voice is always there because it's who I am. So even if I make a film that's not specifically about Vietnamese Americans, I think just because I'm working on them, that perspective is in there. Um, so I, I I mean, I don't worry about um being labeled as a queer Vietnamese American filmmaker. I do it to myself, and I think I'm really proud of it,
0: yeah, I mean, on every screenwriter knows that the best things to write are to write about the things you do know. So I understand that about how you always will have that personal attachment no matter what kind of story you're writing about. So unfortunately that's all the time we have today. We once again, thank our guest win for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to talk about these things um, and to reflect also on my own filmmaking and, um, I I really appreciate your questions, especially that last one is something I always think
0: about. To learn more about Win, check out their website, winnl.com. If you have any suggestions for future topics impacting our API youth, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as visiting our website, AsianVoicesRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Josden. And I'm Ozden. And we'd like to thank you guys for listening today and please join us again next time for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Youth Radio episode. Take care until then, everyone.